Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, church. Great to be with you again this week. I hope you've had a good week. And if you've had a tough week, if you've had a tough week this week, analyse your thinking. Is your thinking changing? Are you moving from, from uh, your negativity into more positive? And this isn't just Pollyanna positive. This isn't plastic stuff. This is forging new thought processes in you. Because it, it, thinking positive and thinking like I'm going to solve problems, not live underneath problems, then what happens is you become empowered. You become stronger as a person. There is strength in the struggle. And struggle is important. Setbacks are important. Call them failures if you want. But when you fail, it doesn't make you a failure. You're only a failure when you fail, when you stop, when you take yourself out of it. But, you know, you, you've got to keep getting back up and going again. It's like learning to ride a bike. I grazed all my knees, my elbows, my hands, my knuckles. Trying to learn to ride a bike. Scared myself half to death. And I kept falling off, falling off till eventually I learned how to do it. Why did I keep going? <laughs> and it's because I wanted to ride the thrill of getting it right. Of, you know, and then all of a sudden you hit a bump or you wobble and you fall off and you're like, oh. How do, I, how do I handle it next time I hit a bump or, or, or I wobble because of something in the road? What, you know, how do I, and then you learn and you grow until eventually, you, 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 you know, you're riding your bike with one hand or you've got your hands behind your head and uh, you've mastered it and it's fantastic. Life is just like that. So if you've, if you've struggled this week, analyse your thinking and say, you know, next time I am not going to lose my temper because it didn't help. Next time... I'm just going to count to 10 before I say anything. Next time, can you see? And you start to change and you transform. And it's fantastic. And you'll feel like it's all, you're doing all the work. And what you must realise is, mysteriously, invisibly, but supernaturally, and naturally God is working on you. And he's, try, he's using situations and people to transform you. And uh, some people will be very kind to you. You've got to handle that. And because you can get cynical, but people will be really nasty to you. But I handle that. You'll be incompetent in some things until you learn competence, and you've got to humble yourself. And it's, you know, once when you learn these traits, it takes time. Give yourself time, but know that you're coming through. And we have to change as we go and take possession of the land, or fulfil the plans that God has got for our lives. Then. You know, we're, we're going to have to learn how to handle life. And that's why it's good to have a mentor. And that can be overrated sometimes where you're just wanting to do as you're told and not think for yourself. But there comes a point where your critical thoughts need sounding boards and, and you're able to form your opinions and get your convictions uh, embedded in your life and in your mind. So we've been looking at the life of Joshua. You know, he transitioned, took over from a guy who was a super leader. And Joshua had yet to be proven in the sense of uh, leading the people without Moses being there. And it's uh, an incredible journey. But this is what God had to say to Joshua. Remember, Joshua 
when he went into the promised land to spy it out with the 12 spies, him and Caleb came back with a great report. They had eyes of faith. They could see possibilities and not just the problems. They saw beyond the problems. But Joshua was 40 when he was fired up and could see it. When we hit this story, Joshua is 80. He's not a young gun anymore. He's 80 year old and he's going in to take possession of the land. If there's anybody that's over 50 listening to me, I'm saying stop planning for retirement. Plan for retirement. <laughs> you know, get refired rather than retire. Get going again. Why? Because God's not finished. He has got a work for you to do that nobody else can do like you. And so come on, your days are not numbered just by, you know, well, we, we hit 60 odd and then eventually we get our pension, then we die. No, no, we've got to live full and die empty. Let's give God every day of our lives, not just some days. So God said to Joshua at the age of 80 years old, he said, God said to him, verse 6, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we have to get behind that and believe it. And in your mind, when you say, well, you're saying that promise in the Bible, but do you know what? I have a friend who was a believer and it didn't happen for them. I understand that. But that were them and that was then. And this is you and this is now. And I want to be that Joshua generation that says, I'm going to prove that God works. I'm going to prove that God's promises are true. It's powerful, precious promises that Peter calls them. So he says, be strong and courageous to this doddering. He wasn't a doddering eight-year-old, but he was 80-year-old. But he said to him, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong, same again, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. That's a great word, that you may be successful. Come on, let's get success deep in our hearts. Let's believe that God actually wants us to be successful and not just a failure, not just mediocre. Then you'll be successful wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do what is written in it. You know, God was saying, stick with my word. God's word represents God. It's his thoughts. And that's why God says to him, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Not just successful, but prosperous. You know, it'll be oozing out of you. There'll be, wherever you go, things, it's like things just, doors just open for you. It's incredible. When people attack you, and they will, they won't last. You will outlast them and you will overcome them. We're talking to a business leader today and he, he was telling me about how somebody had really come against him uh, when he started this venture and uh, they were really against him and, and it cost him financially and everything. And this person was, was part and parcel of, of what he was wanting to do. 
and uh, it's a sort of a, a, a merger, like a takeover in one sense of a business. And uh, she really came against him. She's no longer in that, that, that business at all. And somebody else that came against him, she's like just flowing. She's flowing with him and his wife. She's flowing. She's not against them. No man will be able to stand up against you, but they will. They'll try. And so don't be shocked when it happens. You've just got to keep going. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 is a good one. No man will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. So you're going to be prosperous and successful, God is saying to this 80-year-old man. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. These are commands from God. Do not be terrified. In other words, you will be tempted to be terrified. But I'm saying to you, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why does God have to keep saying to Joshua, do not be frightened. Be bold, be strong, be courageous, be very courageous. And it's because God knows how important courage is and, and, and how much courage is re required in order uh, for, for, for us to have success in our lives, for Joshua to be successful in his mission. He's going to have to be strong and courageous. So are you and so am I. This is the lessons that we can learn from the Bible today, from what Joshua uh, went through. And God knows how destructive discouragement can be. And so he keeps saying to this 80-year-old man, get that in your head. This 80-year-old man who gets out of bed, he doesn't just sit up and get out. He's been to chiropractors that many times. He now rolls and gets out to save his back from, you know, discs from slipping. And uh, I don't know how many teeth he had in his head, but maybe he, he, he would... He would, he would gum a butty rather than chew a butty. But the point is, is that God spoke. He still had a plan for this 80-year-old man. He still had a plan. I find that amazing. The number of times I've wanted to give up in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm only, I'm a mere 59. <laughs> so I'm a way to go yet. And you know something the Bible says? That planted in the house, they will flourish. And he says, and when they are old, their leaf is always green. The leaf never dies. <clears throat> and I want to be an evergreen. I want to be somebody that's always producing fruit and life and shade for them that are weary. I want, I want to be somebody that has an influence on this earth. And hopefully you are the same. But there's another reason why I believe there's an emphasis here that God's saying, don't be discouraged. Don't be frightened. You know, Be bold. Be strong. It's because... We have this idea, as you read through the book of Joshua, where he breaks open Jericho, it was impregnable. That city you could not get in, and people couldn't get out even. They locked it locked tight to keep the Israelites out. And you know, God gave Joshua an idea of how to get in to that city and conquer it. The idea was this, each day for six days, march around it. And so they did. And on the seventh day, march around it seventh seven times. And then with a loud shout and a blast of the trumpets, I think it was, it, all the walls came falling in. How did that happen? These are miracles that God knows about. These are everyday things for God. But he knows how things work in this world. He created it. And so he gave Joshua an insight 
into something he would never have known. And Joshua went in and was victorious. We look at the life of Joshua and say, he was unstoppable. He was fearless. When you go back before it, before it attempted to cross a flooded river and, 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 and break, break into Jericho, the big city, before that, God was saying to him, don't be frightened, don't be terrified, don't be dismayed or discouraged. You will be successful. And he's giving him a pet talk. Why? Because like you and me, Joshua was prone to negativity. He was prone to being frightened and discouraged. And I want to encourage you today. And I want to say, you're in good company, but don't stay there. Don't be stuck. Allow this teaching today to cause you to come out of your position and to say, I am tired of being intimidated. I am tired of apologising for being successful. I am tired of, of hiding the fact that I'm making good money. I am tired of hanging around the same stooges that tell me the same jokes and, and come out with all the kind of stuff that I have to listen to and not one of it is building, not one of it is edifying. It's like, I am going to change my circle of friends. I'm going to, I'm going to hang with the wise. Because the Bible says when you hang with the wise, you become wise. When you hang with fools, figure it out. Perhaps more believers have been taken out by discouragement than by anything else. Courage is the greatest amongst many admirable virtues. Once courage is present, it acts like a catalyst for all the rest, things like commitment, or the rest of the virtues, commitment, wisdom, planning, decision-making. All these things come easier and are supercharged when courage is present. And God encourages us, encourages. He puts courage into us and he calls us to encourage each other daily. Joshua couldn't afford the luxury of fear or discouragement and neither can we. Hebrews says, don't throw away your confidence. That's what people do. When they walk away from the gospel that they've believed in for years and they just said, nah, I won't believe it anymore. Do you know what? They're throwing away the confidence because the gospel is your confidence. It's about Christ. Don't throw away your confidence because in due season they'll be richly rewarded. Don't throw away your confidence. Come on. You believed once. What? You said, well, God didn't turn up and you've fallen out with him. <laughs> Wow, you'll be scared to death. You'll be like, oh, what am I going to do now to get back in the good books? You're figuring out God's ways. Remember what I said last week? My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. Neither are my ways, your ways. And when God doesn't turn up the way you expect him to turn up, it's not that he hasn't heard your prayers. So be confident that he has heard you. And it's either a no, no, that's not what I want, or it's a not yet. Sometimes you're ready for the breakthrough, but other people who are going to be part of your breakthrough are not ready yet. Think about that. So God has to wait and he wants you to wait. And then when you get the yes, how good does that feel? That's a beautiful feeling. I've had a good few no's in my time. <laughs> and the wait is the one that kills me. But you know, when, when God says breakthrough, wow. It goes that fast, you think, oh my life, everything seems to be happen, happening all at once. And God is not slow in keeping his promises, the Bible says, and he's not. But you know, during the wait, that's a testing time to see if you're really committed or if you really want that course of action. 
and, and it is a testing time to see if you'll hold the faith, keep the faith. You know, when Lazarus died, Jesus heard, heard news of it and he told the disciples Lazarus has fallen asleep and they said, well, we'll go and wake him up then. <laughs> I love the disciples. They're like the hyenas on Lion King. <laughs> they are mad. And Jesus goes, Lazarus is dead. He had to speak plainly to them. And he says, and I'm glad that for, for your sakes that we weren't there. And Jesus waited four days before he went. And four days meant that Lazarus' body wasn't just dead. It had started to putrefy, it started to rot. And Jesus went over there and he said to his disciples, well, he said, I think it was to Mary or Martha, he said, um, didn't I say that if you will, uh, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. If you'll believe, you'll see. And it's in that time of waiting that we have to go on believing. Even though we can't see it, we have to go on believing. Because if we'll keep believing, we will see God move. And then when Jesus got to the scene, he said, roll away the stone. And they said, no, we can't do that. If we do that, it'll stink. And you know, Jesus, often whenever he went around, he caused a stink because he didn't fit with the status quo. He was, he was involved and he was a disruptor of people's lives because they were on a wrong trajectory, they were on a wrong way, and so he would disrupt things. He didn't even stand on human protocol so often. He came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. He came to invade this world's plans and this world's thinking and this world's ideas of what life is. He came to invade it with the kingdom of heaven and bring God's quality of life and God's ways. And he said, if you will believe, you will see. And then he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of the tomb. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. And Jesus didn't go and take the grave clothes off him because he didn't put them on. He got the people who put the grave clothes on to come and take them off. And that's an interesting thing. There's a whole Bible study right there, but I haven't time to go into it. So courage is an amazing thing. And God was uh, saying to Joshua, as you're going to take possession of this land, you need to be courageous, be very courageous. And, uh, you know, you will be successful and you will make your way prosperous. You know, people resist change. And as we go in, into this new world after lockdown, and we're looking at our businesses, we're looking at our families, we're looking at our careers even, and we're saying, there'll be something inside of you that's unsettled or that's dissatisfied when you, when you go back because you've changed. Something's changed. And the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart and it's been planting seeds for success for the future. And what God has planted in your heart does not fit with the present. So don't try and squeeze it into the present. It just won't work. People resist change. People don't want you to change because it challenges them. Because they don't want to change. But if you change, it's like, I have to change. But if they can get you not to change and to remain where you are, then we can all have a good laugh together. People resist change. Anger, upset, emotional turmoil and resistance are common during a transition, a transitioning period. People love the idea of change, but it's transition that they can't stand. That is the process of changing from this to that. 
they love that and they want to get move away from this they just don't like the journey called transition and anger and upset and emotional turmoil and resistance these things come from good people not bad people that plays with your mind I remember bringing Christianity to my family and my friends. They hated it. I remember as a young teenager, 19 year old, became Christian out of the nightclubs. I worked in a, a, a plastic crushing factory. I had no education. I went to school, but it was just a laugh for me. I left school with no qualifications. And um, uh, so when Jesus became real to me, it was powerful being forgiven for my sins. You didn't have to tell me twice I was a sinner. What I marvelled at was that God would choose me. It just, just to become a Christian, I'm not talking about become a leader, that he would choose me. And I, I had a t-shirt printed for me. I went on holiday in Spain. And part of my declaration that I'm separating from the drunkenness and the womanising, I had a t-shirt made, Jesus chose me. And I thought wherever I go, whether I go to a nightclub or a bar, that's going to put everybody off me. And it's going to help me to stay, to, to stay faithful to Jesus and his ways. And uh, so people, they hated Christianity, but they hated me a little bit as well. Uh, but going to Bible college to study the Bible, people hated it. I wasn't celebrated. And studying all levels, an A-level and an A-level, when I came out of Bible college at 25 years old, <laughs> there was resistance. It's like, you're too old, Dave. You should have done that. So, well, I didn't. So I need to catch up. Yeah, but you're not embarrassed. We're totally embarrassed, but my wife asked me to do it. She said, I can see some gaps in your education. <laughs> so she said, would you do that for me? And I said, yeah. And other people said, you don't need to do that. He should. He should just go and get a job in a factory. He should be providing for his wife. And I didn't say anything because I agreed with them. Shelley stood up and she just spoke up, I should say. And she just said, I don't need anybody to support me. She said, I'm fine. I want Dave, this is what I want for Dave. I want him to catch up on his education. She was so wise in them days. She understood that, you know, you've got to be equal. You can't, you, you know, I would hate for the fact that my wife was bright and had to lead me through. You know, what a, what a burden to her and what an idiot I'd feel. No, you've got to be equally yoked, the Bible says. And, uh, you know, we're both gifted and talented in different ways. We're not the same. And sometimes that causes a bit of tension between us because we're not the same. We don't come at things the same. She's a woman and I'm a man. And there's a difference. We, we understand life differently. Vive la difference. And we're there. We're learning to live a life that's complementary, not competitive. Genuinely. <laughs> People resist change. You know, I started a parachurch organisation, parachurch and uh, like a service agency to the churches. And I preached the gospel with a lot of fire in traditional churches and people walked out. They did they get up and walk out and these really nice people were very, very rude and hostile. One guy, we, one of my friends said, are you coming to, to the gospel service tonight? Dave's gonna be preaching. He said, if that bearded pig is preaching, I shan't be here. <laughs> there you go, upset the apple cart there. Was resistance. Uh, I remember doing a gospel tent mission. We had all sorts of people, different backgrounds, but mainly people who were not believers, and would preach the gospel. Uh, and and uh, 
you know, we tried to make the whole thing live. We had live worship where they weren't the, the organ and the keyboard, just the, you know, the old kind of keyboard thing. It was alive, it was pumping, it was energy. They were a drum kit, they were a bass player, they were electric guitars. It was revolutionary, you, 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 revolutionary about 30 odd years ago. And, and people came in and they loved it. One guy said to me, your songs are like fair foot tapping. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But you know what? One woman, because I were talking about heaven and hell and saying there's an heaven, there's a hell to be shunned and an heaven to be gained. And if you don't have heaven, you will have the other place. And that's not God's choice, that's your choice. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's up to you. He's done everything he can. He's died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, regardless of how bad you've been. And you know, um, so when I talk like this, I said, you have to choose. And you have to choose to follow God. You have to choose to be forgiven. And you have to follow God all the days of your life. From now to the end, you start walking with God now and you'll walk right into heaven with him after you die. And one woman came up and uh, were, uh, as we were putting the tent up and there were People getting ready, everybody were excited that we were, we were, we were getting ready for, for our first opening night. And this lady and her friends came, she goes, that's, that's, that, uh, that's that bully that tells people they're going to hell. He goes, who does he think he is? And you know, she got all the women against me, and uh, not all the women, but she got a, 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 a gang of her friends. And, and she was a, a good person in the community. But, you know, when we start to go for the plans that God's got in our lives, people will resist it. I moved from preaching a red-hot gospel, well, I've always preached a red-hot gospel, but you know what? We started to spend time with people rather than preaching at them. We'd spend time socialising with them, getting to know them. Other evangelists used to have a go at us, other preachers, and say, you've compromised. Just need to stand up and preach the word. We used to say, yeah, but sometimes they don't want the word. We're just hanging out. It's called friendship. And... uh, you know, not every day is a conversion day. You know, we connect with people. And connections can lead to people converting. Or not. Well, that's up to them. It's not coercive anymore. It's not forced anymore. But you see, people resisted the change. Introducing uh, healing and deliverance from evil spirits in our meetings. I remember over in Lancashire when they were doing a youth work and, you know, evil spirits started to come out to young people and they were, the spirits were choking these young people that never experienced it before. After I preached, I invited the Holy Spirit to come and he did. And as the Holy Spirit came, evil spirits got evicted out of the bodies of these young people. But as they were being evicted, they were choking the young people and they'd say, Dave, what do we do? So, and I'd been on some courses <laughs> and I'd learned how to pray. And, and command evil spirits to come out and pray and command for healing. And so I started to pray. And I, I was showing my team how to do it. And evil spirits would come out and with a shriek and a loud shout and all sorts of things happened. Well, people banned me from going to the churches <laughs> because they don't like change. And it was scary. And, you know, people, people get upset. People have complained about many, many things. When I did my master's degree, you'd have thought some of my friends would have been happy for me. And they said, no, Dave, what are you trying to prove? It's not you. You're being false. Moving to York and becoming a church leader here, here rather than being a travelling evangelist, I got accused of, oh, Dave just loves money. He's going to York. That's what he wants to do. He sold his soul to the devil. 
There you go. Introducing the idea of financial prosperity and teaching people to deal with debt and to understand how finances work, that got criticised so much. But over the years, me and people like me have learnt to encourage ourselves and know who to listen to and who not to listen to. Yes, it shakes you, you're a bit wobbled and, and, and you, you, you think about your practice. And for me, it was preaching and healing and, and, and casting out evil spirits and, and, and helping people in finances. But for you, it might be it's your career or whatever, but you start to change. And people say, you're not the same person you used to be. And you're like, no, I'm not. I've changed. And, you know, people will challenge it and it wobbles you. It does. But listen to the words of God to Joshua. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be bold. Be strong. God, had, God uh, you know, God said to Ezekiel, as bold as they are at sinning, I want you to be as bold as that, preaching my word. Today I'm a church planter building churches, planting churches, but helping them to build. And you know what? When when we change, because we should change human beings are about change, listening to some stuff by Jordan Peterson, I think he's an amazing uh, fella. And, uh, you know, when I can understand him, I think he's amazing. And it takes a while to get into his language, but he's, he's, he's brilliant. The man is brilliant. But, you know, as, as we listen to him, he was, I was listening to him the other day and he was talking about uh, humans are about change. Any living organism is about moving towards the future and to change. And I think he's absolutely right. But number four, I want to say this about Joshua. It involved, if he's going to take possession of the land, it will be separation and it will be confirmation and it will be about courage, but it'll also be about commitment. And the people in Joshua chapter 1, verse 16, it says, the people said to Joshua, we are with you as we was with Moses. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're with you, heart and soul. And God's affirmation of Joshua um, as Moses' successor was followed by confirmation of other people's hearts. People showed the commitment to Joshua by pledging to follow him across the Jordan River. People don't commit to instability. And people don't commit to weakness. People commit to strength and to courage. And we as a church need to be willing to separate from our past and have the courage to keep going right into the future that God's got for us. Once you believe that God is with you and start to live as though he is, you will draw support and courage and commitments from others. And God promised them, as you step into the water, you promised Joshua that the waters will will part and you will walk through on dry ground, just like Moses did in the Red Sea. What a great way for God to confirm Joshua's leadership. Watch for supernatural confirmation of what you're about to do. Watch for God as you make changes. Watch for God moving supernaturally, opening things up for you. New opportunities maybe, new, new career posts. Look for it. It's God's favour on your life. But leaders move first. And I've decided to move first. Even if I'm left alone, even with an handful of people, I have decided to move first. And I'm saying we are planting churches all over this world. I'm going to finish with this. When you step out in faith, when you commit to your future, to your new future, 
It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new time. It's your time. It's your turn. When you commit to it, you'll find favour in the city. You'll find favour amongst unbelievers. You'll find favour in the land. And you'll find friends in low places as well as friends in high places that God has prepared in advance for you to work with, to be among. I've said a lot. Joshua means God saves. And he was a, a forerunner to Jesus, a foreshadowing of the, the great Jesus Christ. Nobody had ever done any miracles like Jesus in terms of the scope and the amount. And, uh, and, and Jesus comes and he's not just the son of God, he is God the son. When he died on the cross, he took your sin and my sin in order to give us a new future, in order for us to be bold and to be strong and to believe God and not to shrink back and not to be discouraged, but to be successful and to be prosperous in all we do. Today, I invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Invite him into your life by his Holy Spirit and experience this eternal life and follow him from this day on to commit. Like Joshua and the people in Joshua's time, they committed to, to Joshua. Commit yourself to the greater Joshua, Jesus Christ. Bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you paid the price for my sins. Open the door of my heart to you and I ask that you'll come into my life by the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive all my sins. Give me a new start. Give me a new life to start with. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with power to change and power to follow you. Give me boldness to know what I believe and to be convicted by that and live by the principles in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, do get in touch. But I also want to say, if you're listening from another city or even another nation, we want to plant in your nation. Come on, commit to this movement called Global. Come and join us. You know, I'm calling you out to the nations. Come and join us and we'll train you up. Some of you are already trained. You just need tweaking. You know, your culture is maybe more churchy culture and I want you to be more like Global where we're just more, we're, we're, we're in, in, embedded in the world and we, we try at all times to lose religious language and try to speak in our mother tongue, uh, just normal, everyday speak, not Christianese and other things. So, you know, get in touch with us. These are exciting times. It's a new season. It's a new day. And there's fresh anointings that are coming your way, fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit. I finished... We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. We never take it for granted. And uh, keep safe and we'll see you soon. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 